This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. The aftermath of top U.S. lawmaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan earlier this month continues to reverberate in U.S.-China geopolitics. But what's the public discourse in Taiwan on the hot-button issues of independence and sovereignty? For some insight into this, today I'm speaking to Paul Huang, Research Fellow at the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation. Paul, good morning. Thanks very much for joining me today. Morning. Thanks for having me. Now, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taipei took most of the world by surprise, despite intense speculation ahead of her trip. Um, There hadn't been any official mention of a stop in Taiwan in press releases on her Asia-Pacific tour. How much of her trip was known to the public in Taiwan before her stopover? Well, just like the rest of the world, the Taiwanese public, they uh, they speculated uh, because it wasn't until... Uh, I think it was like 14 or 16 hours before that it was uh, confirmed that it should be there. Mm. So, yes, it was a surprise to the people of Taiwan, to, to the politicians of Taiwan, and I think even the government as well. What was the reception like? I had been reading um, headlines that uh, that she received quite the warm welcome um, from the Taiwanese government. Yeah, well, any high-level U.S. official or politicians uh, visit Taiwan is usually, um, almost always, uh, warmly welcomed by, by Taiwan's public and both sides of the uh, political aisle within Taiwan, um, regardless of how, what the circumstances and the substance of their uh, their visits. It's just the nature of uh, Taiwan's uh, international isolation due to China's pressure that the, the, the Taiwanese public um, perceive any sort of visit, any sort of attention from the U.S., especially U.S. official, um, as a sign of uh, support. Mm. And such visit benefit primarily the people sitting in power um, politically and electorally, uh, because any show of support, encouragement from high-level U.S. Of, of, uh, figure is usually enough to be interpreted by Taiwanese public that the current ruling government is doing something right in handling foreign policy and U.S.-Taiwan relations. Uh, whether that's true, that's, of course, another matter. Mm. Uh, in, in the past, uh, Taiwanese public, or they also tend to interpret these uh, symbolic gestures and rhetoric as uh, evident or supporting evidence that the United States would uh, send troops to defend Taiwan if uh, China were to attack. Mm. Before Nancy Pelosi came to Taiwan, there had been a lot of warnings from Chinese quarters about the anger that this would cause in Beijing. Um, You mentioned earlier about how any visit by the U.S. is seen um, positively, especially by the Taiwanese government, because it does give them some benefit and advantage. But in this case, I mean, was the backlash that it hence created from China was what was the trade-off, I guess? What was the benefit given now they have a more belligerent Beijing to handle? I think the belligerency, the aggressive uh, intent is so, has always been there. The military build-up by China, um, their strategic posturing to encircling Taiwan, to pressuring Taiwan is always increasing. Um, so Pelosi's visits, uh, in my view, gave them uh, an easy ex- excuse to make more explicit these kind of uh, aggressive posturing. So by itself, the visit 
was not going to change what's already happened in long term. But of course, from outside perspective, it would, it would appear that she provoked Beijing into um, such uh, reactions. But but then again, if one were to look at the fundamentals, the military build up, the past actions by Beijing, the way that the things have, have been going in the past many years, then this doesn't change uh, the long-term trajectory at all. Another thing that um, I'm wondering is you, earlier you had said that um, a visit by uh, the House Speaker can be taken by some uh, parties as indication of U.S. support. And there were reports beforehand about the White House and Pentagon being less enthusiastic about Pelosi's visit, advising that the timing isn't right. So there does seem to be uh, differences of opinion within the Biden administration into how to deal with the um, Taiwan-China issue. Do you think the differences of opinion cause concern for Taiwan in terms of how the U.S. will strategize and what could happen if China does resort to military action? Well, the division between the U.S. executive branch and the uh, the legislative branch of the Congress has always been there. The Congress has always been far more supportive of Taiwan, at least rhetorically. But of course, the Congress, um, they, don't, they don't execute foreign policy. It is the president and the president's team that is, decide how foreign policy is being conducted. So just because Nancy Pelosi visits Taiwan, just because they are XYZ number of congressmen, congresswomen support Taiwan. That really doesn't mean that the U.S. executive branch uh, will stand by Taiwan when China comes knocking. And the reports about the division between uh, Pelosi and Biden's team in the weeks before the uh, before her actual visit, I think it's, it's, it's a very telling sign that there was a disagreement between the two offices. Uh, especially considering they both came from the Democratic Party, Biden's team would, would be willing to leak these statements, these messages to international media. Um, at first, the Financial Times, that was the first outlay that, that was leaked about the, the plan of the visit. Uh, it, it's very well known among policy insiders that Financial Times is the go-to platform for U.S. administration to release the message in the way that they want it. That itself is very telling that the president would risk uh, damaging relations with the speaker of his own party in the Congress to put a stop, or at least attempting to put a stop to something like this. That's a sign of a very strong disagreement. Hmm. That's something to keep an eye on, I suppose. And it doesn't mean that um, the speaker's visit is any clear indication of, I mean, would you take it as an indication that the U.S. is retreating from its uh, strategy of strategic ambiguity that is put in place for so long? Or is this just an anomaly, a one-off of sorts? Well, my view on strategic ambiguity has always been, it's really quite irrelevant if one were to look at the fundamentals which are hard military, political, economic power, the, the balance of power between the U.S. and China. So as China grows more power comparing to the U.S., of course, it will be more and more risky for the United States to intervene on Taiwan's behalf or to support Taiwan. And that is going to challenge the fundamental assumption behind this so-called ambiguity. And that puts the United States, the U.S. decision maker, into a very difficult position. Because even if they publicly commit, it's not going to be taken seriously because they are not willing to risk what they have 
to defend Taiwan. And that I think is the ultimate takeaway from this visit that it's not going to change the trajectories in the long term. And Pelosi's visit was merely a noise, I would say, in this grand scheme of things. I'm speaking to Paul Huang, research fellow at the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation. We'll have more from this conversation after a quick break. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar, and today I'm speaking to Paul Huang, research fellow at the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation, on public perception in Taiwan on the ongoing tensions with China. I'm curious about what you make of how the international media covered Nancy Pelosi's visit uh, versus how the Taiwanese media did. I think if we look internationally, there were there were a lot of doomsday headlines in the global press about the possibility of military conflict over Taiwan. Was that sentiment being reported in Taiwan itself? Not as much as in the international media headlines, of course. But it is also not true to say Taiwanese are not worried that life is as usual in Taipei. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think more and more people are worried that our polls have found that the percentage of people who are seeing a war with China is inevitable, has been growing, also it is still a minority. If you look at the fundamentals, the, the balance of political, economic, um, technological power, then, then yes, China's, um, they have been, they're, they're built up. Um, the military expansion, both uh, qualitative and quantitative, quantitative terms, is, is extraordinary. That Taiwan is just simply is not even, not only that it's not catching up, it is not. It is doing things that that's actively counterproductive to its own defenses and national security. I would say that international. Some of these international media they were right. They were right to highlight the uh, the, the risk of war has been increasing, and. More and more Taiwanese are also waking up to, to these, these uh, realities, I think. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that point, Paul, that um, you feel the current uh, Taiwanese government and military are, are taking counterproductive actions when it comes to Taiwanese defense? What does that mean? That is one thing that I have uh, written about. I've written several reports on the deficiencies, uh, the weaknesses uh, within Taiwan's uh, military and national security. In particular, Taiwan's military is uh, heavily mismanaged. Its organization, its doctrine, its uh, personnel, training, logistics. There are severe problems in important aspects of war fighting. Most of all, Taiwan's uh, the top military and political leadership, they don't seem to be willing to face this reality that China's military uh, in many domains, the Air Force and Navy, the missile forces, sensors out of space, cyber, you name all these areas, they have um, taken over Taiwan. The gap is only growing, and Taiwan is not improving at all. And it's not just me, but other serious uh, analysts, security, military analysts within Taiwan. It is more more or less a consensus that the way that the government, the current military leadership, are doing it, doing things, um, are not really up to the challenge that mm. we are facing. So even though Taiwan is armed by the U.S., that still is in no way enough for Taiwan to actually build up a military of um, equal strength or a military that's capable of standing up to China's military strength. Of course. Well, I'll give you one example. The Javelin anti-tank missiles 
that the United States provided to Ukraine per unit cost of a Javelin missile is something like 120,000 US dollars or even more. It's around that figure. The Chinese People's Liberation Army, their latest anti-tank missiles, from some publicly available information, think the cost of that missile is only something like 20 to 30,000 US dollars. So it's about one fourth or even one fifth of what the US defense industry is charging the US government. And that is a gap between China and the US military industrial complex that China can simply make those things far more cheaply, in fact, than what the US does. There's no way Taiwan can keep up this embrace with, with China just because we would bankrupt ourselves if we were to buy as many weapons that China is building. And because China, for every build, for every weapon, every equipment that uh, that the Taiwan buys and China builds, that uh, we are we're playing a losing game. And that, that is one thing that I've written about. Mm. I do want to ask about public sentiment about China-Taiwan relations. How much do tensions with China impact daily interactions between the Chinese public and the Taiwanese public? In conversations with businesses trading both with Taiwan and China, the impression I get is that business continues between the two sides, but it's the rhetoric between the US and China that really endangers the situation. How much do these tensions um, impact the day-to-day lives of Taiwanese living in Taiwan? Well, for Taiwanese living in Taiwan, I think they, they don't really care much for the Chinese thing. There used to be a time when the people, the society, had more interactions, uh, but not, it's not the case these days. The uh, public opinion discussions, the, the intellectuals, the, the, the commentators um, across both sides, they don't talk to each other. They, don't, they hardly even interact with each other. If they ever interact with each other, it's usually grandstanding. So Chinese will accuse each other of showcasing their partisan stance on, on, on the uh, this national identification, political future issue. So, but for Taiwanese who interact with the Chinese the, on, on a public basis, they risk being accused of an agent of, or a supporter of China and vice versa for Chinese. Um, public figures in China, or even Taiwanese singers, actresses who went to China to have a career there, they also avoid displaying any kind of tie, any kind of opinion with regard to anything political. And that is, uh, well, in many ways, that is sad because the people across the street, they don't interact, they don't talk with, with each other. That is a very bad sign. If you sing that the, how the Chinese public think, how they think of Taiwan, would have an impact on Beijing's decision regarding Taiwan, such as deciding that we invade Taiwan. But of course, if you assume that, that the Chinese public, the views they express, the kind of uh, noises on the social media, they were the result of Beijing's manipulation, then of course it doesn't really matter. Mm. 
I think you describe quite a worrying reality there, Paul, in the sense that um, the two sides, the Taiwanese and the Chinese, don't seem to be able to, I, I guess, to just have civil discourse um, on this matter. I want to ask you about something that the Chinese ambassador to Australia um, recently said. Um, he said that the majority of people in Taiwan um, actually favor reunification with China. Is reunification something that um, a large segment of Taiwanese people want? Definitively not. Our organization, the, the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation, we have been polling this very same question year after year, all the way from 1991 to today. And over the past several years, since 2019, the support for independence is the majority position among Taiwanese public. It's around 50%. Support for unification, 11%. That is the latest figure that we have done in April 2022. 22% say they want, they want to maintain status quo, which is also a minority position. The majority of Taiwanese wanted Taiwan independence as the ultimate political future for Taiwan. So he was the, uh, the, the Chinese ambassador to Australia. Obviously, he has, he has not been following the polling numbers from Taiwan or maybe that he, was, he has been following some very misguided number. I, I, I have no idea where he got those numbers. Um, now, our organization is only one of the many, in fact, that does this kind of opinion polling. The other organizations, they, they have coming up with uh, similar numbers. All right. The idea of reunification, it doesn't really have the majority traction in Taiwanese society. And throughout the conversation, you have seemed to indicate that you, you, you think military conflict, it can happen or will happen. I guess, what is your gauge of whether there will be armed conflict between Taiwan and China? Right. So I have no crystal ball. I don't know when. <laughs> what I can say for sure is, ask China's military, the BOA, their combined military, technological, economical power grow stronger, much stronger comparing to Taiwan. And then also the gap between China's military and the U.S. military, then it becomes less risky for Beijing to attack Taiwan. Because if you think about it, the stronger they get, the less casualty, the less damage they would take if they were to result to force. My assessment then would be the stronger they get, the more likely they're going to result to the use of force. There are, of course, some people who disagree with that, saying the stronger the China gets, the more confident they are, then they will feel less need to resort to the use of force. But of course, that is a very minority position in international relations. The majority of people who will subscribe to what I just said. It's the balance of force that determines ultimately quasar and how the force will be deployed in a situation like this. Paul, thank you very much for your time and insights. This is no doubt an issue that uh, we'll all be watching very closely here in this region. Uh, we hope to catch up with you again. Thanks very much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been speaking to Paul Huang, Research Fellow at the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation. You can follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Paul Huang Report. This has been Pressing Matters on The Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. News Bulletin, followed by Enterprise. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes.
BFM 89.9, The Business Station.